morning. Amen. How many of you miss our pastor? Amen. I know I do. Uh, you know, we have such, church doesn't happen on Sunday morning at 1030. Church happens here all week. I don't know if you have the opportunity, but we have, a, we have so many great ministries in this church that you can be a part of. Uh, I know myself and my wife were part of the youth ministry. And uh, to see God moving in the, in the lives of young people is amazing. I was here last night, and uh, Steve, uh, stand up for just a second. This young man back here has such an amazing testimony. My, my, my only, the only thing that was sad about last night was that there weren't more people here to hear what God has done in your life. Amen. Because that was, what an amazing testimony he had. Uh, if, if, if you have the opportunity on Wednesday mornings at 6 o'clock, the men gather in the, in the fire room and we come together in prayer. We come together reading the Word of God. We, we encourage one another. Uh, you know, there's so many different ministries. Uh, last night we were here, Celebrate Recovery was taking place. Uh, we've got a homeless ministry, uh, a, a children's ministry, and I know I'm leaving a lot of the ministries out, but we have so many ministries that take place from Sunday to Sunday. And if you're looking for something to do, if you're looking for something to be a part of, if you want to be used by God, come. Come and see what God is doing. Come and be a part of what God is doing. Well, praise God. You know, this morning, um, I, I, I'm not kidding when I say I miss Pastor. I, you don't realize, uh, I'm, I'm going to be open with you and honest with you for a second. I'm just like you. I'm afraid. I don't think I'm that much. I don't think I'm all that in a bag of chips. I really don't. And when Pastor asked me to share, my mind said no. But God said yes. Um, I knew God would be with me. I knew God would lead me. And it's not an easy thing to prepare a lesson. Uh, I, 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 this past week, as soon as I ended on Sunday, Monday, I was already preparing for this week's lesson because I know God has a word to share with his people. I know God cares about his people. I know God wants to lift up his people. The enemy is oppressing us. The enemy is bringing us down. And God wants to take us to a new place. Praise God. So this morning, um, before we start, can we go before the Lord in prayer? If you all bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we come before your presence. We thank you this morning. We ask that your spirit would be in this place. Lord, remove, our, remove Lord, the weariness. Remove the fluttering of our minds. And Lord, let us focus on you this morning. Let us focus on your word. Let, us, let our hearts be fertile ground. Penetrate deep within our souls, Lord. Speak into our lives. Lord, this morning we give you our attention. We give you our lives. We give you our obedience and we give you our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, real quick. Um, the bad thing is, pastor won't be here next week. So I will continue next week if I don't finish this morning. So I'm not in a hurry. I'm going to recap real quick. Um, last week we spoke on, uh, we have uh, a message entitled, Who Do You Say You Are? Who do you say that you are? Um, Judges chapter 6, verse 14. Um, the Lord spoke to Gideon and said, The Lord said to him, the Lord, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of, Midian, out of Midian's hand. And I am sending you. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, 
and I am the least in my family. See, Gideon had a perception of who he was because of his people, because his people had been in oppression for so long. They had been ravaged by the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples for seven years. He failed to see that God was supplying his needs. Here are the facts according to Joshua, I mean Judges, the book of Judges, chapter 6. He had enough flour to make bread for a young goat, to make bread and a young goat as a sacrifice for the angel of the Lord, Judges 6, verse 19. He took the second bull, that means there's more than one, he took the second bull that was seven years old from his father's herd, I don't know, but a herd means more than one, and offered it as a burnt offering, Judges chapter 6, 25 through 26. Uh, he had at least 10 servants, Judges chapter 6, verse 27. And in Judges chapter 8, that's wrong, Judges chapter 8, the kings Zeba and Zalmua recognized him as having the bearing of a, pris, of a prince. Our words have power. The tongue can bring death or life. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Who we say we are is important. Our enemy does all he can to oppress us and make us believe that we are not important, strong, able, or loved by God. The words that we use to describe ourselves can lift us up or bring us down. Thus, many of us suffer from depression low self-esteem, anxiety, loneliness, etc., etc. We need to speak the Word of God over our lives, not the feelings that we have deep within. Satan wants to kill you, and many times it's not a physical death, but emotional and spiritual death that he seeks to bring. It can make, if he can make you believe that you are not worthy to get into the battle and make you feel like the least of thee, then he has succeeded. Because people who don't realize their value act as such. And I ended last week on this scripture, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Really important scripture. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. The biggest threat to the enemy is not... The biggest threat to the enemy is that we would realize who we are in Christ. If we would realize the power that we have in Christ and we would stand up with the power we have in Christ, we would reach this city because we are the light. You know, we, we have a, okay, so that's just a recap. Now from here on, on from here on, God fills in. It's not, it's not me. Uh, you know, we're doing something in, in youth group that, that uh, Jason has, has, has had a word from God and, and, and his theme for the year hasn't been let's do a um, resolution. Uh, you know, last week I spoke that it's, it, now it's been, what's today, the 15th? 15 days, still working out, still trying to eat healthy. Um, but in reality, by the end of January, most people have given up on the resolution. But he has spoken, he, God has spoken to him, and his, and his theme for this month is one word. What one word will you get from God to lead you through this year? 
what one word. And, and, and Friday night we had a prayer in here, and the kids, you know, at first they didn't have any words, and we broke up in prayer. And by the end of the service, there were kids coming up and saying, uh, you know, I, I don't even remember. They were, they were just so deep. All the things they were saying that God was giving them, the one word God was giving them for the year. And I know my one word for the year has been light. I want to be a light. God is light. It doesn't matter. Do you understand that the darker it gets, I don't care how small the light is, the darker it gets, the stronger the light gets. Darkness cannot overcome light. And God was speaking into my heart, and that's my word for the year. And I know that there's so many more we're looking forward. We got this big old plan. We're going to write. Everybody's going to canvas their, their word, and we're going to fill up the youth room all the way up. And we're excited about what God is doing. And I pray that you have taken in your heart what your plan for this year is because we need a plan. You need to know that God wants to use you. We cannot be, we cannot be idle. We cannot stand, sit on the side and think that every, someone else is going to do it. We have to stand up and say, God, here I am. So this morning, my message is entitled, God's Chosen Army. We're going to continue in the book of Judges. And uh, I, I love, I love the story of Gideon. As I begin to read this story, this story is about me. This story is about you. If you're here for the first time, we want to make you welcome. I believe you're not sitting among perfect people. Um, if you're perfect this morning, can you stand so we can give you a hand of applause? Because I, I have yet to meet a perfect person. I like to think that we're all sinners. I know we're all sinners, and we've been saved by an almighty God. And Satan wants to use our sin to bring us down. Now, Judges chapter 7 says this. Judges chapter 7, um, my wife was uh, eager to tell me last week that I called it the book of Gideon. And I know there's no book of Gideon, but I get excited, so I'm going to, to correct that problem this morning. Early in the morning, Jerubbabel and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into your hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Isn't it interesting that, okay, I'm going to, you know that guy that you're really excited to see a movie and you're just building it up in anticipation? Now, I love to watch movies. I don't know about you guys, but I love to watch movies. And, and, and there's nothing more than I love more than a superhero movie. But there is nothing worse than that one guy that gives you the end or gives you or, or lets you know information to just ruin the movie for you before you even saw it. This morning, I'm going to be that guy. We're talking about the battle of Gideon. We're talking about the battle that Gideon is, is now getting ready to go into. I want you to understand that down in the valley, there are 135,000 Midianites and Amorites getting ready to come against Gideon and the Israelites. Gideon has an army of 32,000 men. Gideon has an army of 32,000 men. And yet God says, that I cannot deliver Midian into their hands because Israel would boast against me and save my own strength to save me. That encourages me for this one reason. How many of you feel like you need a degree to accomplish something? How many of you feel like you need all this education to, feel, to, to accomplish something? I'm not, I did not attend a seminary. 
I wish I would have, but I did not. What God has taught me has come through being on my knees, sin, restoration, sin, restoration. God has proven himself over and over and over and shown me that he is real. I know God. He knows me. I have a relationship with God. Uh, one, one thing that was really important to me in the book of Matthew, it says, and, and this breaks my heart when I begin to read it, that God says this, Depart from me, you work of iniquity, for I know you not. And someone answers back and says, But Lord, didn't I cast out demons in your name? But Lord, didn't I lay hands on the sick and they recovered? You see, it's not about what we do. It's about our relationship with Him. He cares more about our relationship with Him than what we can do for Him because we can do nothing. And here's Israel, and He doesn't want them to take credit for what He's about, getting what, what he's about to do. God does not like us to take credit for what He's about to do. You guys with me? Amen? God does not like us to take credit for His work. I serve a mighty God. And when I read of the many people that God uses that were nobodies, it encourages me because I see that God can use people like you and I. The Word of God says He didn't pick the most handsome and the strongest and, 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 and the one that had been through military school. He picked Gideon, who in his mind thought he was nobody. He wasn't going to use an army of, he wasn't going to battle 135,000 against 135,000. God had a different plan. God had a plan for 300 men to to challenge an army of 135,000 men. Verse 3. Now announce to my army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 20,000, 22,000 men left, while 10,000 men remain. 22 plus 10, 32, 32,000 men. Immediately, the first separation the first calling that God did was what remove those that were fearful fear is the enemy of God if you cannot put your faith and trust in God he cannot use you fear is selfish amen isn't fear selfish we're more more concerned about us than what God has for us fear is selfish Faith has no fear. Fear will keep us from accomplishing the will of God. We all struggle with fear. Don't think that because you're afraid that you're a failure. We all struggle with fear. doesn't matter who you are. You struggle with fear. When God calls you into a position, when God calls you into a ministry, when God calls you into a situation, fear begins to come upon our lives. We're afraid that we're not good enough for God. We're afraid that we'll let Him down. We're afraid of what other people think about us. We're afraid of being labeled something, something that may bring shame on us. We're afraid. I know uh, a couple of you, back in 1990, I had just gotten out of a, I had just gotten I had just gotten out of AIT. I was in the military. I was stationed in Aberdeen Proving Grounds, and I was getting my and I was getting my certificate. Of training, I was trained as a 45 kilo, which is a tank turret repairman. First tank turret repairman, and to the to my knowledge, the only tank turret repairman that this state has ever had. I didn't. That wasn't my choice. That was something that was brought to me. Uh, God was opening doors that I did not know about. But 
coming back, just back in, in November, we were getting ready to depart, getting ready to come out. I was getting ready to come home. And as I was getting ready to come home, something happened in Iraq. This is in 1990. Uh, Iraq went into Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and invaded them. And I remember that as, as we were sitting there as soldiers, news spread, began to spread, and, and, and immediately my, my um, trade was going to take those that were around me into the battlefield because this battle was fought with tanks. This battle was going to be fought with tanks. And right away, as I was there, and, and, and I was there with people that were in the regular army, people that were in the Marines, people that were in the National Guard like myself, and we were being trained to work on tanks, work on the weapon systems of tanks. I thought when I got this, this, this MOS that I was going to be working on the engines, find out that I was working on the weapon systems of tanks. I was working on laser-guided missiles. I was working on wire-guided missiles. And I was working on gyros, computers. And I did not think that God ever had that in, in, in store for me. I was the dummy that was working at the grocery store thinking I had no plan or purpose. And yet God had a plan and a purpose. And I remember sitting there with my, sitting there with my buddies and fear began to come upon them. Because now we were, we were at a place where people were coming out of the school, were graduating. As a matter of fact, some of my friends that were, had already gotten, were getting, we were getting ready to graduate in two weeks, had already gotten their orders to go to Iraq, to go to Kuwait. I'm sorry, to go to Kuwait. And I thought I was safe because I was in the National Guard. I thought, thank God that's not me. I remember getting home, and I had been, only been home a few months, and I received a call that they were cutting orders for me to go to Kuwait. Um, it, was, uh, it was our unit, and I believe you were in the same unit, 3631st, Buffalo Herd. <laughs> we, were, we, were getting ready to, we, we were getting ready to go overseas. And I remember getting a call personally told that because of my MOS, I was going to be volunteered to the Big Red One, and I was going to be fighting alongside my brothers in arms. There's something about camaraderie. Fear comes on you. But when you have brothers that you know are fighting alongside you, you can ask any firefighter, any police officer. When you have brothers that are fighting alongside you, you feel like everything's going to be okay. You know you're fighting for the greater good, and you have to put yourself aside. And I remember even though I was afraid and I didn't want to go, the orders were cut. Another one right over there, 3631st, right, Tom? Even though you're afraid, you know you're fighting for the greater good. And here are these men that have come before God that are part of his army, and God begins to separate them with, by those that were filled with fear. So much fear that they were not willing to stand up for their nation, not willing to stand up for their children, not willing to stand up for their wives, their spouses. So much fear filled them. So much selfishness was within them that 22,000 men walked away. God cannot use fear. If you're afraid to do something for God, He cannot use you. If you don't understand that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, then he can't use you because he needs a people that are willing to sell out to him, 
of people that are saying, Lord, here I am, use me. Although I'm afraid and I don't know what's coming, I know the purpose, the plan you have is for the greater good. Working with youth isn't easy. It takes up time. There's a lot of fear. But I know that it's a greater good. There's a greater good. Last night, uh, Steve, I just want to tell you last night that you did an amazing job. Um, your testimony touched me. I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. But your testimony touched me. But the Word of God says, faith comes by what? Hearing the Word. Hearing the Word. If you're willing to share your testimony, God will use you. If you're willing to share what God has brought you through, God will use you. And last night as he was sharing his testimony, you know, SNL was made for, was, was brought about for 18 to 39-year-olds, for the generation that's coming out of high school, for a generation of young people that, that, that are struggling in their marriages, newlyweds. Um, that was Pastor Ron's heart. As I began to meet with him, that was his heart. And it's funny because last night there were three teenagers, 12 and 13-year-olds sitting in the audience. And as he was speaking, they weren't here to hear him. They weren't here to hear you, I'm sorry. They weren't. <laughs> they were here because somebody had put that there was going to be a three-on-three basketball uh, thing going on right after SNL. So they showed up. These girls love to play basketball. They showed up. And my wife and I were, were standing in the back. We didn't, it, it, it fell through. It didn't happen. Um, we're standing in the back. And just as we're standing back there, they came to us and began to share the testimony of a 12-year-old, a 12-year-old that was addicted to heroin. And they didn't know what to do. How could they help her? And we began to, to, to minister to them and counsel with them and tell them what they could do. And isn't God good how he can use a testimony and encourage a 12 and 13 year old that don't even come to church to reach out to a friend that is living oppressed by the enemy. Isn't it amazing what God can do through our testimonies? So I'm going to continue here. You know, faith can hurt us. I'm afraid of heights. And if I was in a six story building and the building was burning, and my only way of escape was standing at a window and looking down at the firefighters holding the net. I don't even know if they do that anymore. That's one of those things you see on TV. I don't even know if it's true or not. Is it true? Do they do that? They don't do that? Okay, well. Well, anyways, in my mind, they're down there. And there's a burning building behind me. Because of my fear, I could die where I'm at. Do you understand what I'm saying? If I'm not willing to take that leap into the safety net of God, I can die where I'm at. If I'm not willing to take that leap into that safety net of God, I can die where I'm at. God wants us to step out. Uh, we're going we're, we're gonna to continue, and this is, man, this is just so good. Uh, chapter 4, But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out there for you. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel to down to drink. 300 of them drank from the cupped hands, lapping like dogs. The rest got down on their knees to drink. 
the Lord said to Gideon, with these 300 men that left, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept 300 who took over, who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now, understand this. You have, to, you have to see this with me. You have to see this with me. Understand where I'm coming from. This is my favorite part of the whole story. This is my favorite part of the whole story. See, God began to separate who he was going to use and who he was, going, who he was not going to use. Now, this is a battle involving 135,000 men. But our battles are different. When God calls you into something, he may not be calling you to, buy, to battle 135,000 men. He may be calling you into the, to going into the street to minister to drug addicts. He may be calling you to go, you know, the, the biggest sins, before I get there, the, our minds play tricks on us. Our minds play tricks on us. There's these sins in our lives. And because of who we are, and what we've experienced, there's levels of sins. Do you guys agree with me? There's a level of sin. If I said lying on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad is lying? Some of you might say 1. If I told you how bad is stealing, you took, you, you took, you took a pack of post-it notes from work. How bad is stealing? Uh, it's like, that's like a 1. I tell you, you smoke pot. Uh, some people might think that's a 3. Some, some people might think that's a 7, depending on who you are. I tell you, you're not uh, the, the the sin of alcoholism. Some people think that that's a ten. Some think it's not a big deal. But then we get into the bigger sins, okay? And I call it this is again my mind talking. Murder, that's definitely a ten. Adultery, ten. We get into these sins, and our minds place tricks on us, telling us that one sin is not as bad as another. But yet the Bible says that our sin keeps us from where? Our sin keeps us from the presence of God. Understand your sin will separate you from the presence of God. Your sin will cast you into the lake of fire. Thank God he died for my sin. Thank God that the blood was shed for my sin. So in God's eyes, doesn't matter what the sin is. Sin is sin. Ten across the board. That's God's eyes. Sin is sin. Whether you're a liar, whether you have pride, whether you're an adulterer, a fornicator, if you're, what, if, if you're looking at pornography, if you're into drugs, if you're into alcohol, whatever it may be, if you're a rapist, it does not matter to God. Sin is sin. Don't fool yourself. If you're a liar and you think you're not as bad as the adulterer or the murderer, you're fooling yourself. Sin is sin. Sin will keep you from the presence of God. And we all deal with sin. Everyone in here, I didn't see any perfect people stand up, so we all deal with sin. All of us deal with sin. Here's the difference. Some people are living in sin, and you're concealing it, and it's okay. Nobody knows about it. Amen? Some of you are living in sin. It's concealed. Nobody knows about it, you're okay. Maybe you're a drug addict and you have a, a three a day, you smoke, you smoke pot three times a day, but
but you're not as bad as, you know, and you're fine with it, everything's good, you're an alcoholic, you, you go home and you have a drink and you get drunk and, hey, it's okay, I'm living the life, I'm partying with my friends, I'm doing what I want to do. But there's that one moment in our lives where our sin puts us in a rock-bottom state of mind and life. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does everybody, can everybody agree with me? If you've been living in the sin of adultery, and when you come into that place that God touches you, I, I'm reminded of David as, as, as David thought that everything was okay. Him and Bathsheba got together, and everything was fine. But when Nathan the prophet came to him and explained to him what his sin was, he hit rock bottom and immediately he cried unto God. When that drug addict that has lost everything, has lost their family, has lost their children, and has lost everything they have, when they realize that they've lost everything, they've hit rock bottom, and they realize that only God can take them out. If you're addicted to pornography, you can hide that sin, but what happens when your husband or wife finds out what you're doing? Doesn't seem like that bad of a sin until your family's involved. Then all of a sudden you're at rock bottom and you're trying to salvage a marriage. You're trying to salvage, you're trying to salvage whatever dignity you have left, and you're crying to God, Lord, here I am. Against you and only you have I sinned. See, we all have to deal with the consequences of our sin. And in dealing with those consequences, we're broken, we're hurt. We don't know where to turn to. And when God comes in, if you've been at that place, and God comes in and heals you and saves you and brings you up out of your sin, you come before Him thanking Him and loving Him, knowing that your sin has been forgiven as far as the east is from the west, never to be brought back into your remembrance, because that's the kind of God I serve. But there is a Satan out there that is going to tell you how bad you are. He's going to tell you your shortcomings. He's going to tell you that you could never do something for God because you're an alcoholic. You're a drug addict. You're an adulterer. You're a murderer. And God says, no. No. I can use you. God can use the prostitute that has turned from her sin. God can use the drug addict that has turned from his sin. God can use the adulterer that has turned from his sin. God can use those that are addicted to pornography and turn them and use them for his, for his glory, for his honor, to bring others to his saving grace. Now here's the thing. We have all these men, 10,000 Gideon, that must, have been, that must have been a long day. To sit there and watch 10,000 10, people drink water, that's a long day. And we have people that are getting down, and I'm going to put the microphone down, and they're just, okay. look at the position I'm in. Am I not vulnerable? Am I vulnerable? But then you have those with the spear or the bow on one hand, looking around, lapping up water, lapping up water. Lapping up water. You want to know why I believe those 300 men lapped up water? Because at one point they'd been ambushed. At one point they'd been oppressed. They may have been in a battle that they lost. Those men had battle scars. 
Those men may have been taken prisoner. Those men knew what it was like to be in captivity. Those men were aware of what was around them. They were aware of the situation they were in. They were in a time of war, and they were treating it as such, where these other men were completely oblivious to the fact that the enemy was just right down in the valley ready to attack. God uses sinners. I know men that have been addicted to pornography, that have had to shut off their internet, have had to break, literally break, I've watched them break an $800 smartphone right in front of me and purchase a $30 no data telephone to keep them from sin. There are alcoholics that know they cannot be around booze because it's tempting. You got to know your weaknesses. You got to know what you're struggling with and you have to be aware of that. And when do you become aware of that? When you fall into sin, when you turn from your sin and God brings you out, you become aware of what God is doing in your life. You become aware of the tactics of the enemy and you have to have your guard up no matter what. If you've been a drug addict, you have to be careful who you're around. Amen? Anybody ever been addicted to drugs? Anybody an alcoholic? Anybody ever, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the things that, that working with young people and, and young men, uh, years, years of, of experience, these young boys are, are, are addicted to pornography. There are, there, it used to be, I grew up in an era where you had to go buy a magazine or you had to watch a video. Anymore, it's right at your fingertips. Right at your fingertips. And whether they say it or not, it's a struggle. We have to be careful. And here are these men, and they think that God could never use me because God could never use me. I'm this, or I'm that, or I've done this, or I've done that. And yet God says, hey, I can use you. Who better to witness to a prostitute than a prostitute who knows God? Who better to witness to an alcoholic than an alcoholic that knows who God is and knows the saving hand of God? Who better to witness to a thief than a thief that has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ? Amen? You think God can't use you? God will use you. God will put you in his army. These 300 men had been oppressed. They'd been in bondage. They, they all had a past. We all have a past. These men had a past, and they're down, and they're bringing the water to their mouth, aware of the surroundings, because they know that at any moment, they could fall once again. They could be ambushed once again. They're ready. Being a Christian doesn't mean that it goes away. I wish I could tell you, and I'd be lying to telling you that if you're a Christian and you give your life to God, that everything goes away and everything's butterflies. My, my father-in-law says milk and honey. Everything was milk and honey. It's not. The struggle is still there. The temptation is still there. But now the only difference is that I have a God that's fighting with me. I have a God who's leading me. I have a God who's directing me. I have a God who is pulling me through. God loves you. He loves you more than you will ever know. 
He cares about you. I want to say this. I know that this is not me. This is God. God is speaking to you. We are too laid back. We are taking this battle we're in lightly. Some of us are at the water on our knees and hands drinking water like there's no war, nothing going on. We are all in a battle. We are all in a battle. The enemy is seeking whom he may devour. The enemy wants your soul. He wants to oppress you. He wants to bring you down so that you can feel like you are not worthy and you will not make an impact in the kingdom of God. But God says different. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. It is time that we stand up. And, and I know I say this a lot, man. You're probably like, oh gosh, that guy's going to say it again. We need to stand up for Christ. Christ. We need to be the light. We need, doesn't matter how dim your light is, understand if I shut all the lights off in here, just one little light, no matter how little it is, the darker it gets, the brighter it gets. Understand God reaches into dark places and God can use you. Doesn't matter what circumstance you're in, doesn't matter what you've done. If you know the true redeeming power of Jesus Christ, God can use you. God will use you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to stand up and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Use me. If, if you can use Gideon, if you can use Moses, if you can use David, you can use me. Our sin does not define who we are. Our sin gives us an opportunity to reach others for His glory and His honor because whether you know it or not, people all around us are dealing with the same thing that you were dealing with. People all around us are in the same kind of sins that we were once in and they need the deliverance hand of Christ. Will you be the hand of Christ? Will you be that voice in the darkness? Will you be the hand that says, Here I am. And stretch that hand and pray for someone. We need to let fear go. We cannot be selfish any longer. Selfishness, it, push it out of the way. Realize that God did not give us a spirit of fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear. That does not come from God. That comes from the enemy. And if you're fearful, then you're allowing the enemy to work in your life. You're listening to the enemy. Because when you don't listen to the enemy, God can use you. I'm not lying. When pastor came to me and said, do you mind bringing the message? Do you mind bringing, bringing the word? My, my mind said no. I was afraid. I am afraid. Who am I, Lord? But my spirit said yes. Something within me says, something within me says, I am with you. I will speak through you. I will guide you. I will give you words. I will give you direction. I will speak to my people. It's not about me. It's about him. Amen? When you can turn away from fear and say, Satan, you're a liar. I'm not listening to you anymore. I may be all that, but God's going to use me. Who better to reach a hurting and dying world than someone who's been there? Amen? 
who better, you know, this, this is the thing is I love to hunt. And I'm getting ready to end. I love to hunt. And my wife and I had the opportunity last year to go to Yellowstone, uh, two years ago, to go to Yellowstone National Park. And I've never been in a place such awe and wonder and animals all over the place. Um, we were walking one, one afternoon. We're driving down the road and up on the, right up on the hill. I'm that tourist, okay? So whenever you guys see that tourist that's taking pictures right there with the, that's me. Okay, I, I, I love animals. I'm, I'm, that's me. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not foolish. I understand what to look for. I've been around animals. I've, I, I have the, I've had the opportunity to observe them. And I know what, what, they, what they can do. I know their habits. I know their traits. I know what, what to look for. And going to Yellowstone, we were driving. And up on the, up on the hill, this gigantic elk. I mean, big old rack. Jason, he's the kind of elk we dream about. Big old rack. And I get down from the car. See where I come from? The second I get down from a car, boom, that elk is gone. There is nowhere, he is nowhere to be found. But in Yellowstone, in a place that they've never been hunted, in a place where you're not allowed to hunt, these animals don't know fear. They don't know fear. I was able to get down, and I walked up the hill, and I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm from me to Jason. I'm looking at that. I'm like right there clicking pictures, and I was like, whoa, this, this animal's like dumb because I never get to see an animal this close. And I'm just excited. Then we, then we drive down, and, and the buffalo, I mean, if you've ever been to Yellowstone, the first buffalo you ever see, you're taking a million pictures. After a couple of days, you're like, oh, another buffalo. <laughs> Okay, so, so we're, 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 we're going and this big old massive bull was sitting right on the side of the road and I, I had to get close. I mean, I, I was so close. This is not a lie. I was so close I could see the snot running on his nose. Big old monster. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, though, that I was sitting inside a car. <laughs> I was sitting inside a car because I know better. And I'm looking at him and, again, me and Jason, and he got frustrated with me. And he starts snorting, and he stands up, and I'm, okay, time to go. <laughs> it's a rental car. I do not need a buffalo ramming the rental car <laughs> that I will be responsible for paying for. So, you see, if you've never been in sin, if you've never been oppressed by the enemy, you're naive. You don't know. I can't deal with an alcoholic. I can't. That's never been my trial. I don't crave it. I don't think about it. It's been in my home when I was growing up. Never thought of taking a drink. Not my trial. That, that, right? We, don't, we, we all have, different, we all have different, different struggles. That's not my struggle. I'm naive to the consequences. I'm naive. I don't know what it's like to be at home with an alcoholic father. I don't know what it's like to be at home with an alcoholic mother. I don't know what happens behind the scenes. That's not my trial. I'm naive. But if you've been the person that's been affected, you're on guard. I go here in New Mexico, I see an elk, and I'm out in the field hunting. Man, every little noise. Right away the head goes up. I could be completely camouflaged, smelling like an elk. 30, 40 yards away, and I'm, I'm, I'm deep, in the, deep in the bush, and I know they can't see me. 
any little noise, whether it comes from me or something else. They turn to look. They can't drink in peace. They don't eat in peace. They're, they're scared. And that's the way we are when you've been delivered from sin. You're aware of your surroundings. You know what your trial is. You know what you need to stay away from. You know what are your weaknesses. And God uses that. God uses that. God can use you. God will use you because you've overcome. You know the power of God's blood. You know the power of the cross. You know what God is capable of doing. And God will use you. Don't think that God can't use you. Man, I don't care how bad your testimony is. I, I mean, I heard I, that, that testimony last night. Oh, man. Is it okay if I just... His marriage... On the edge, they're on the edge of divorce. And I'm thinking, wow, God is so good to know that God can come in and grab a husband and wife and bring them together. When they were at the brink of divorce, I mean, he just went on, and I'm not even going to share his testimony. If you want to know his testimony, ask him and his wife. They will tell you it is amazing. It is powerful. God is awesome. Faith comes by hearing the word. Now, I want to say this. If you're that person that thinks the church is over at 12 o'clock, and then you're going to come back next Sunday, I'm be honest. I'm not judging. I'm sorry. Will God really use you? I don't know. What's your relationship between Sunday and Sunday? That's between you and God, not you and me. But if you get involved and you want more of God, uh, I want to be here on Tuesday night for servant council. I want to be here Wednesday morning for men's prayer and get filled by the Spirit of God and listen to the, to, to, the, to, the, to the testimonies and listen to the Word of God. I want to be here on Friday night and see how God is impacting young people. I want to be here on, on Saturday night and see what God is doing in the lives of young people, young couples, 18 to 39 years old. I want to be here Sunday morning to see what pastor has to say and see what God has to say and see how God is going to, to encourage me and take me throughout this week. I want to be up at 4 o'clock in the morning praying and reaching out to an almighty God. How do you get closer to God? I'm not judging, but how do you get closer to God? if you don't fill yourself with Him, if you're not in His Word, if you're not sharing your testimony, if you're not listening to the testimony of others. Stevan, is Stevan here? Stevan. Stevan. Oh, there he is. Your testimony on Wednesday, oh my God, blew me away. It blew me away because that was God. That was God. That was God. God loves us. God loves us. God loves us. And God loves us. Now, we're, we're, I'm ending, but I want to do something. I want to do something. Will you, will you all, I know we don't normally do this, and this is a little bit out of the norm, but I'm really being, I'm really feeling that God is leading us here this morning. Can I have the praise team come back up? Can I have the, uh, and, 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 and I'm going to request one song, the foot of the cross, the foot of the cross. Here's what we're going to do.
if you're thankful that God has delivered you from sin, can we come, can we have a good old-fashioned altar call and come to this altar and give him thanks? Because he can use you, and he's going to use you. If you make yourself available and you let the fear go away, if you understand who you are in God, he'll use you. And maybe, maybe, maybe there's someone in here that the enemy has been pushing you down and telling you you're not worthy. You're a sinner. You've done this and that and this and that, and you feel this big. Maybe that's you. Can we have our prayer ministry come to the side over here? And we want to pray with you because I know a God that can heal you. I know a God that can deliver you. I know a God that can take you from where you are now and bring you to a place of restoration, a place of joy, a place of peace, a place of love. So as they get ready, no fear. No fear. You're not doing it for me. Who are we doing it for? Almighty God. Almighty God. Will you come to this altar and begin to give God thanks for your deliverance, for your blessings. Let us not be like Gideon. Oh, I have nothing. We have so much that God has given us. We have freedom in Him. Marriages have been restored because of Him. Habits have been broken because of Him. So can we stand? And if you don't feel like coming to the altar, there's no pressure, just stay where you're at. But can we stand? If you do, will you come to this altar and begin to give God praise? Can we stand at the foot of the cross? Can we stand at the foot of the cross? Will you stand with me this morning at the foot of the cross?